Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, come on, let's do this. Right, so here's another episode about what's going on in the UK at the moment, in politics and in football, for goodness sake. Uh, I know I'm talking about this subject a lot at the moment, you know, well, two subjects, politics and football, but I can't help it. It's just too big. Too many things are happening. Um, I have to talk about this stuff, okay? And anyway, you want this, don't you? That's what you want on Luke's English Podcast. You want British themes, you want to hear up-to-date commentary on what's happening in the United Kingdom, right? You want to hear some uh, real some real British English? British English, that's right. Well, that's what you're going to get uh, in this episode. And um, yes, I will be talking more about Brexit and football in this one. And then it'll be back to podcasting as usual, okay, in, in forthcoming episodes. It'll be sort of back to the usual type of stuff. But since there are so many things going on in politics and in sort of, you know, international relations and in sport, um, I have to talk about those things. Oh, yeah. And by the way, there will be some swearing in this episode, um, which shouldn't really really be a surprise considering what's been going on. Uh, but there will be swearing in this episode. So I should just warn you that uh, warn you about that in advance, because I will be sharing some comments from some very angry people online and uh, generally, there has been a lot of swearing and general kicking of furniture all across the country since Friday, especially yesterday, while watching England get dismally knocked out of the Euros. Oh dear, it's not a good time to be English. It really isn't. Um, so, just a reminder that swearing is rarely appropriate, as you know. Just remember that, though. Um it's only appropriate uh, at the right time and in the right place. For example, when you're watching England play football, that's definitely an appropriate time to swear and kick the furniture. Um, or it's also appropriate probably to swear if you just think for more than about two seconds about the European referendum. Um, so also another another comment here. You will notice that obviously I'm pretty unhappy about things at the moment, but don't worry, I'll bounce back. And Luke's English Podcast will continue with the usual sort of episodes soon. I just have to get a few things off my chest, okay? And um, so that's what I'm going to do. Um, right, before we get started properly, just a quick sponsorship mention. Um, if you are interested in learning about British history, for example, you want to know about all the diverse origins of the British people and the story of our royal family and... Um, you know, all the other big moments that have led us to the current modern state of affairs that we have now. Why not download an audiobook from Audible uh, with all with the special offer that's available to you, my Lepsters? Um, so first of all, what you should do is go to teacherluke.co.uk forward slash Audible. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E. 
uh, or click an Audible logo on my website to start a free trial with Audible. Uh, they produce and sell audiobooks on the internet. Um, you can start a, a trial with them, and that includes a free audiobook download. You can choose any audiobook you want. So why not download uh, a book about British history, for example? You could download British History for Dummies. That's the one that I'm recommending today, British History for Dummies. Um, it's a really detailed history of Britain, and it's told in a very humorous way. Um, I've listened to it myself and I enjoyed it thoroughly and I learnt lots of amusing uh, facts and bits of info about um, the royal family and the history of the royal family and various different conflicts and wars and things and the the, the, the number, the many, many battles that uh, the English had with the French, for example. It's all in there. So that's uh, British History for Dummies and there are other history books available too. You can just check them out on Audible. Uh, so go to teacherluke.co.uk forward slash audible or click an audible logo on my website and you can get started. Right then, now let's get stuck into this episode and I'm now going to play you a jingle. Which one am I going to play you? I'm going to play you this one um, because this is the one that um, at the end says this is Britain at its best. Um, maybe you could just mentally insert some some other word there instead of best. Maybe you could say this is Britain at its most predictable. Uh, maybe this is England at its... This is the England football team at its worst. Anyway, I'll let you insert something else there, in, you know, of your choice. But uh, here's the jingle. Let's get started. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Luke's English podcast. Okay, touch this. This is a masterpiece of the English language. All righty then. Just think of the accolades it's received over the years. Wait a minute. I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. This is going to be good. Really? Yes. I want to get into it, man. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Luke's English podcast. And this is Britain at its best. Oh, you lucky people. Right, so welcome back to Luke's English Podcast. Now, I'm going to start this episode with uh, uh, a word, and this is the word of the moment. This is a word that keeps coming up in newspapers and different uh, uh, articles online uh, to describe what's going on in the UK at the moment, and the word of the moment is turmoil. Turmoil. Uh, that, that's an uncountable noun. Turmoil is spelt T-U-R-M-O-I-L, turmoil, and this means a state of great disturbance, confusion, or uncertainty. That's the definition from Oxford Dictionary Online. So, a state of great disturbance, confusion, or uncertainty. For example, and this is the example given in the dictionary, uh, the country was in turmoil. Um, in fact, I can give you a few more examples of turmoil uh, if I just... Uh, Google the word and uh, then have a look at the the news results. Uh, these are the um, these are just results from Google News using the word turmoil as the search criteria, and this gives you just an, uh, a picture of uh, how this word relates to what's going on at the moment. So, um, Soros wager Deutsche Bank would drop in Brexit turmoil. Okay, Britain's biggest landlord caught in Brexit turmoil. Um, this is The Guardian. It says, in this Brexit turmoil, we'll need our civil servants to steady the ship. 
Uh, BBC News. Japan stocks continue to stabilise despite Brexit turmoil. Uh, the Hill says economic turmoil threatens Clinton. Uh, the Guardian says Britain faces leaderless turmoil, but don't worry, Boris is back from the weekend. Uh, Reuters says China has more to lose from Western turmoil. Uh, uh, Financial Times in Alphaville, Alphaville says Brexit turmoil, weaponized music and an Icelandic victory. Uh, Market Watch says markets brace for Bank of England rate cuts after Brexit turmoil. And the Economic Times says Brexit is a political turmoil overspilling into financial markets. So there's just a picture of the word of the moment, which is turmoil. Um so it's turmoil all round as a result of uh, the uh, the result of the European referendum here in the UK, which was obviously to leave. Um, so uh, just in case it wasn't enough for England to pull the United Kingdom out of the EU, England had to pull themselves out of the Euros as well. Because uh, obviously England last night got knocked out of the Euro 2016 uh, football competition. And what a rubbish performance that was against Iceland. What on earth is going on? What on earth is wrong with our national football team? In typical fashion, we just got knocked out of of another international football competition in the early stages. And you know what? I'm, I'm close to saying that I just don't care anymore. You know, why should I? Why should I care about our football team anymore? I'm not proud of England. We didn't show a lot of character. It wasn't bad luck or anything. We simply weren't good enough. In fact, I think part of the problem was that there was that there was just a lack of character on the pitch, you know? A lack of spirit. Where was the fighting spirit that you need in a situation like that? Where was the passion? Those players just kept waiting for someone else to provide the goods. Perhaps this is a result of them playing in the Premiership all season and essentially playing a supporting role to other players from abroad, some of the foreign players in the Premiership who actually provide the end product in club games. Maybe our England players are just used to sort of playing second fiddle to them. And as a result, they can't seem to produce the end product themselves. I'm not sure really what it is, uh, but I'm pretty pissed off about it. But you know what? I'm not going to waste any more time or energy being annoyed about this. England just seem to be into pulling out of things at the moment. That's what England seems to be doing, just pulling out of stuff. First it was Brexit, now it was the Euros. I'm pretty sure the Brexit one is is the more important one, to be honest. Um, naturally, everyone has been making jokes about it. Um, for example, you know, the Brexit's now been finalised, you know, that sort of thing. You know, two Brexits in one week or whatever. Fair enough. The joke is just begging to be made. So go ahead and make it. Um, you can make as many jokes about that as you like. It's just a, a recipe for jokes, isn't it? Britain leaves the European Union and then the English football team u- leaves the Euro 2016 competition. Um, now, I suppose that Wales will be the next ones to follow since the referendum result, with an exit from the Euros too. But I'll talk more about football in a bit, um, including some of the jokes and things that have been going around. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm now going to sort of move on to the politics before coming back to the football, OK? And you might be thinking to yourself, what, more Brexit stuff, Luke? More Brexit, really? Yes. 
I have to talk about this more. Uh, but as I've said, normal podcasting will be resumed soon. Okay. Um, now, the the main reason I wanted to record this episode today was just because I wanted to publish something um, here between the previous episode, which was called The Day After Brexit, and the next one, which I'm going to publish, which I've already done, and that's about Muhammad Ali. Um, because I did the Muhammad Ali one before the referendum even happened. I recorded it like a week and a half ago. That's recorded and it's ready to be to be published, okay? Um, so I was ready to publish that and then the UK voted to leave the European Union and we ended up having this extraordinary situation unfolding every day, all of this turmoil in the United Kingdom, so many things going on on a moment-by-moment basis. So I feel like I can't upload the episode about Muhammad Ali right now. Uh, I can't upload that without first saying a few things about Brexit, okay? It's just timely. I have to talk about it. And then the, the Muhammad Ali one's going to come come next, all right? So it feels like everything relating to the Brexit situation is just so real and so over the top at this moment that it has to be mentioned, it has to be talked about. And also there's football to deal with. In the last episode, I pretty much told you what I thought about the results and my opinions. Uh, and those things haven't really changed. I still feel the same way. I was feeling a bit shell-shocked and tired when I recorded the previous episode. A lot of you noticed that in the sound of my voice and my general mood. Uh, I'm in a much better mood today. Um, I still think the situation is a mess and I'm still angry about it. Um, There have been a few developments and I'm going to talk about them later on in this episode. I think it's absolutely fascinating what's going on. Um, I can't really keep my eyes off the news um, and the developments. I find it riveting. Um, It's almost impossibly complicated as well. First of all, just understanding the referendum result and how it happened is one thing. Understanding what's going to happen next is another thing. And then just putting all of this into the context of European events and then world events is another story. Um, I think that um, it's a fascinating time and there are many complicated and diverse things going on in the world at the moment. I just... It's just huge, and I feel like I could spend all of my time either reading about this, watching video interviews on the subject, or talking about it on my podcast. Obviously, I can't do that. There isn't, there aren't enough hours in the day, uh, and I can't just spend all my time recording episodes. That you know, it's just not feasible. So I just wanted to say that I will continue to talk about Brexit here on the podcast from time to time, but not in every single episode, of course. Life goes on. And as ever, there are loads of other things to cover, uh, language areas to explore, games to be played on the podcast with Amber and Paul, guests to interview, and all sorts of other things to deal with. Uh, This podcast will continue to look at the culture of the English language, of course, and that does involve the UK's place in the world. And at the moment, that basically means the Brexit story. So to sum up, normal podcasting will resume soon with the Muhammad Ali episode. But before that, I'm going to talk in this episode about some more UK news. Okay, right. So comments, comments on the website. That's what I I want to mention now. Um, Thank you for recent comments on teacherluke.co.uk in response to the things I've said in these episodes Uh, and on Facebook as well. Um, Don't forget, you can find Luke's English Podcast on Facebook and on Twitter. And I'm quite active on those things at the moment. 
Um, now, I've I've enjoyed reading your responses. The vast majority of the comments have been respectfully and thoughtfully articulated. Um, like I've said before, I do welcome all opinions, and I encourage you to develop your arguments in your comments. I just ask you to be respectful at all times in those comments. And as the webmaster of my website, I do reserve the right to moderate or remove comments which I consider to be inappropriate. And that includes content which I consider to be basically unacceptable, mainly because of hateful content, all right? Now, this doesn't mean that I'm against different opinions. On the contrary, I'm always ready to read differing points of view. In fact, I I often look for differing points of view. Uh, But I won't tolerate hate speech in the comments section of my website, all right? Now, saying that, it, it very rarely happens on my website. By and large, Lepsters are thoughtful, respectful and peaceful people. I think that's what it means to be a Lepster. Of course, you're also interested in learning real British English and having a laugh or two in the process, just to take the edge off. But it seems that we are united, I think, by a certain outlook, which is a generally positive celebration of our differences and an understanding that we're all basically the same underneath the the cultural codes and political distinctions that divide us. We can disagree with each other and we should listen to each other. And there's no place for hate-filled comments, all right? Um... So if you've got a if you've got a good point to make go ahead and do it articulate your points using the right kind of language but if you resort to name calling insults or old fashioned smelly old racism then you can leave your comments elsewhere this is my house and I'm not putting up with that kind of nonsense all right did I make that point too forcefully maybe I did everyone's like yeah okay Luke we get it we get it don't worry, we're not going to we're not going to write nonsense on your website. Yeah, I've, yeah, maybe I've made that point a bit too forcefully, considering the vast majority of you write lovely comments all the time. Um, I haven't. Don't worry, I haven't received like a a tidal wave of racism on my website. Maybe just two comments, both of them made by one particular person, which got thoroughly moderated. I say moderated. I I, I removed them because. It's, yeah, all right, don't need need to go into it, do I? Don't write hate speech on my website. Fine. Now, uh, the democratic process. So, talking about the referendum result, um, I understand, of course, that uh, the leave result was part of the democratic process. A lot of people have been expressing their their dissatisfaction about the result. And the standard response to that seems to be, Stop complaining about the results. You're just being a bad loser. You have to accept the leave result as part of the democratic process. So shut your face. Um, but uh, as Winston Churchill said in the House of Commons in 1947, uh, he said, Many forms of government have been tried and will be tried in this world of sin and woe. No one pretends that democracy is perfect or all wise. Indeed, it has been said that democracy is the worst form of government, except for all those other forms that have been tried from time to time. So, basically, democracy is the least bad of our options. It certainly isn't perfect. Now, the referendum decision was part of the democratic process, but that doesn't mean it was the right decision. 
And I'm well within my rights to express my dissatisfaction about that decision. And I think that's part of democracy too. It also includes um, decisions being accountable and being questioned. It's about free speech and it's about being able to express your dissatisfaction about what's going on. And if I think that the referendum result was the wrong one, then I'm well within my rights to express those things. I don't just have to um, roll over and accept it. Um, I think the reaction to the result from the people who campaigned to leave has actually been quite muted. Even the right-wing press that supported the leave are running stories about the turmoil that the country is experiencing as a result. It seems to be unescapable. It's obvious that this result has suddenly put the country into a crisis situation. The economy is crashing. The pound has plummeted to its lowest level since 1985. The AAA credit rating of the UK has been lost. It's been dropped. Britain is immediately worse off than it was last week. And it's not just the economy as well. There have been lots of reports of racist abuse against foreigners in the street in the UK, which shows that the result has given a big boost to general intolerance in Britain. It's like a big thumbs up to racists everywhere. Not everyone who voted leave is racist, of course, definitely not. But racists in society will today be feeling like this has been a victory and that they will feel legitimised by the whole thing. I imagine that they now feel it's, it's acceptable somehow to be outwardly hostile to foreigners, regardless of whether those people even um, come from the EU or not. And if you, if you need to be convinced about this, here's some evidence from Twitter, all right? In fact, I'm going to read from a, an article from the Huffington Post. Um, and uh, the Huffington Post uh, headline for this article is Racist Incidents Skyrocket After Brexit Vote. The referendum result has stoked dangerous nationalistic fervour across Britain. Um, the fallout following the British vote to leave the European Union has triggered an uptick in racist incidents. And here are some examples. So these, this article collects different um, examples from Twitter and other places. So first of all, we've got uh, a photograph posted by someone called David Olusoga. Um, and he says, in my hometown of Newcastle this afternoon, I feel like I'm back in the 1980s. And the photograph is a poster of the, it's in fact a group of National Front skinheads standing in the street in, in the centre of town, holding a big poster that says, stop immigration, start repatriation. So the skinheads are back. Um and he said, uh, I've never had a day of so many people telling me to go back to Africa. Um, Jamie Pohotsky uh, wrote this on Twitter. He said, the table next to me says to the... Po table next to me in a restaurant said to uh, the Polish waitress, how come you're so cheerful? You're going home. Him and his wife started laughing. It's disgusting. Kieran Jenkins um, said this. A woman shouted, There's one of them. Send that back. As a Sri Lankan child walked past with his mum. Max Fras said uh, this. In Gloucester, in a Tesco supermarket in Gloucester, he heard someone say this. 
This is England. Foreigners have 48 hours to fuck right off. Who's foreign here? Anyone foreign? That's what someone heard in a Tesco in Gloucester. Adam Bolton, who works for Sky, said this. This weekend, my family and I have witnessed three when-are-you-going-home racist incidents aimed at EU citizens here. Uh, Paul out of Belfast, I guess this is a Polish person living in Belfast, um, wrote this on Twitter. My friend's son just got a new nickname at school, The Illegal. So this kid at school is being nicknamed The Illegal. Hashtag lovely. Um, And a video uploaded to YouTube one day after the referendum purportedly shows a man exiting his car in the Hackney area of London and yelling, fucking foreigner, go back to your country at another driver. There's There's a photograph of a card, a laminated card, which simply says, leave the EU, no more Polish vermin. And it, and it says, these cards have actually been put through letterboxes of Polish families in Hunting, Huntingdon today. I could weep. Uh, Britain's Polish community have been specifically targeted by xenophobic sentiments. Police are investigating various racially motivated hate crimes targeting Poles in England. Um and it goes on, basically, it goes on. Uh, the the Polish centre in um, the Polish centre in in London in Hammersmith, which is just a few streets away from where I used to live in London. Um, there's a Polish community centre there, and apparently graffiti was sprayed. Sort of hateful, racist, anti-Polish graffiti was sprayed on the wall of the the, the community centre the day after the vote happened. Now that the previous one, that card which has been posted through uh, Polish people's letterboxes that said, uh, what did it say? It said, leave the EU, no more Polish vermin. Now, vermin is another word for rats. Okay, rats. Now, let's be clear. Comparing people to vermin or comparing people to rats or cockroaches is an extremely dangerous thing to do because as soon as people are considered to be less than human, their rights are considered to be less than human and then they get treated as less than human and the next step is that people will not feel bad about abusing those people. It's only a couple of steps away and it's happened time and time again in the past. Um, it um, It sounds like an exaggeration. It's not. Comparing people to rats or cockroaches should be a massive red flag and is never acceptable. There's always been some racist people like this in the UK, just like in every country. But now they feel that they've got the backing of the whole country and it's a real danger. Um, so this is, you know, a lot of this stuff has happened in 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 London as well, which is supposed to be a progressive and multicultural place, which voted to remain in the EU. Um, There have been many, many more reports too, and I'm sure that in some communities today, it's not easy to be a foreigner of any origin. And all of this is not just difficult and dangerous for individuals, it's also making the whole country look very bad indeed, and it makes me feel ashamed. What's just happened to my country? It appears that the Leave campaign has taken our country back and just given it to the worst people. Um, Now, Trump... I want to mention Donald Trump at this point. Now, Americans must be delighted at this moment because not because they they wanted to see the UK out of Europe. No, just because 
Um, at the moment, the USA is no longer the world's dumbest country. Apparently, the UK is now the Mr. Bean of the world. The UK has got the, the crown, the title of the stupidest country in the world. Everyone in the world seems to be looking at the UK and going, what the hell are you doing? Um, so the UK is now the stupidest country in the world until November, of course, because that's when the American elections are happening. And we'll see what happens there. We'll see who they choose. And if the USA elects Donald Trump, then all eyes will be back on them and they will be back in pole position in the stupidness stakes again uh, in the International Stupidness League. Um, now, speaking of Trump, this is quite funny. Because soon after the uh, the result, the referendum result came through, Donald Trump arrived in the UK. In fact, he arrived in Scotland. Because, you know, he has to be wherever the attention is. Where's the media attention? It's in, it's in the UK? Okay, I'm going to go to the UK. It's all part of his publicity. Also, he was supporting the Leave campaign because it sort of fits in with his anti-immigration um, positions. Um, so he went to the UK in order to celebrate. And he usually goes to Scotland because he owns land there. He owns a golf course in Scotland. So he went to Scotland in order to celebrate the, the leave result. But he made a stupid mistake on Twitter. Uh, because, you know, going to Scotland to celebrate leave is not really a clever idea. Uh, because the problem is that uh, Scotland voted overwhelmingly to stay in the EU. So, you know, it was pretty much a unanimous decision in Scotland that they wanted to stay in the EU. So they weren't celebrating leave, quite the opposite. So Donald Trump arrived and he tweeted this. He said, just arrived in Scotland. The place is going wild over the vote. They took their country back, just like we will take America back. No games. Really, Donald, really, the country's going wild over the result? I don't think so. So this then prompted a, uh, a huge response from Twitter. Uh, and there were, there were loads and loads of tweets from people um, expressing uh, their ridicule. And so, for example, I mean, not just celebrities, lots of people. Um, Lily Allen wrote, it, wrote to Trump, Scotland voted in, you moron. Um, in fact, Scotland has literally the highest percentage of Remain um, uh, votes with 62% uh, across the, the UK. So Scotland voted overwhelming to, overwhelmingly to stay in. Um, and then from this point on, things got very funny and very messy and quite British in terms of the level of insult that was levelled at Donald Trump. Um, someone wrote, Ah, real Donald Trump, Scotland was more yellow than your fake tan, referring to the, the, the fact that the on, on the map of Leave versus Remain, uh, Remain was coloured yellow and Leave was coloured blue. And we see that Scotland was more yellow than Donald Trump's fake tan. Um, then um, here are some of the top insults that people had for Trump on Twitter. Uh, you might learn some slang here. So here are some things. So Scotland voted to stay, you witless fucking cocksplat. I tell you what, what you can do is instead of me explaining all of this rude language to you, I will, I don't always say Google it, but in this case you can. You'll find the link to the, uh, to this page. And I'm reading a collection of tweets from BuzzFeed here. You'll find the link on the website. In fact, you'll find lots of text on the website today. Um, not just today, 
in the future. Um, and uh, you can read through a lot of the things I'm saying, including a lot of these words. Here are some more. Scotland voted to remain, you tit. Scotland voted overwhelming to, overwhelmingly to stay in Europe, you two-paid fuck trumpet. Scotland voted overwhelmingly to stay in the EU, you weasel-headed fuck nugget. You're such a gobshite. Scotland voted to remain in the EU. You utter and complete eejit. Landslide vote to remain from Scotland. UK vote only just managed to force us to leave. Scotland voted overwhelmingly to remain. But what are the facts to you, you bloviating fleshbag? By the way, bloviating uh, means to means talking at length, especially in a very empty way. Um, the insults go on. Scotland voted remain, you weapons-grade plum. Scotland voted remain, you clueless numpty. They, vo- they voted remain, you spoon. I think we get the point. Um, right, so moving on to uh, hashtag regrexit or hashtag regret. So these are regrets. Uh, regrets by people who voted leave who now regret the decision. So lots of people are expressing their regret about voting leave. In fact, hashtag regret and hashtag regrexit have been trending hashtags on Twitter ever since Friday. Also, according to Google Trends, the biggest search criteria immediately after the referendum were questions about the EU. Like, for example, what is the EU and what happens if the UK leaves? It seems that a lot of people left it a bit too late to ask those questions. It seems that people didn't quite realise what they were voting for, or they didn't realise that they actually had a chance of getting uh, a leave result. Um, a, lot of, a lot of people seem to think that leave uh, was the underdog position in the whole situation, and that they didn't genuinely have a chance of winning, and that their vote wouldn't make a difference, or would just be regarded as a protest. Uh, and now there are videos of people sort of going, oh, I didn't realise it was going to leak. I didn't realise that was going to happen. Um, I saw one funny joke on Facebook today about that. I'm going to see if I can find it. Hold on. <laughs> so this is it. It's a tweet by someone called Adrian Bott. And it goes like this with a quote. I never thought leopards would eat my face. Sobs woman who voted for the leopards eating face. Oh, <laughs> I got it wrong. I messed it up. Okay. So it goes like this. Quote, I never thought leopards would eat my face, sobs woman who voted for the leopards eating people's faces party. Right, I thought it was funny at the time. Okay. Um, there, there are other things. There have been other funny posts. Let's see if I can find any of these. So here's a joke. An Englishman, a Scotsman and an Irishman walk into a pub. But then they all had to leave because the Englishman wanted to go. All right, it's not the best joke I've ever, I've ever told on the podcast. Not that this podcast is well known for uh, top quality gags. Here's another one, all right? This is a apparently a, a comment written into a newspaper. Um, you know that newspapers have like these comment sections where people can write like a paragraph comment and it gets published. This one is from someone called David Jones in London and it says this, Sir... It is now surely unthinkable that we can continue to call our country the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. The only, the only thing uniting us is our currency. Perhaps Poundland would be a more appropriate name. 
Uh, Poundland, uh, by the way, is the name of uh, one of those stores where everything is one pound. So it's one of those stores where everything's like really cheap. I thought it was funny. Okay. Um, So I'm going to play you some uh, comments by people in the street who are experiencing regrexit. These are the people who are like, I didn't realise, I didn't realise voting leave would mean that we would leave. Uh, Let's hear some of those comments. This morning when I woke up, I actually did suddenly think, oh God, like, I actually wish we'd stayed in. But... You voted Leave, though. I did vote Leave, but I was undecided. And I think, do you know what? I actually think a lot of people were shocked. Even though everyone went and voted, I still think everyone did think, oh, we'll probably well end up staying in. I'm a bit shocked, to be honest. Um, What about? I'm shocked about both. I'm shocked that we actually have voted to leave. I didn't think that was going to happen. My vote, I didn't think it was going to matter too much because I thought we were just going to remain. Um, and the David Cameron resignation uh, is, has blown me away, to be honest. I think it's been the, the period of uncertainty that we're going to have for the next couple of months, I think. Wait a minute. You're shocked that you voted to leave and then we, we actually are leaving? Why are you shocked by that? That's exactly what you voted for. Shouldn't be a huge shock. It's like kind of, that's like ordering a pizza... Yes, hello, I'd like to order a, a pepperoni pizza, please. Yes, definitely. I definitely want to order a pepperoni pizza. And then 20 minutes later... Oh, my God, who's that? You open the door. Who are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm the pizza delivery guy. You ordered a pizza. What? I didn't actually expect it to arrive. You know, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. Just been magnified now. Um, so, yeah, quite worried. You're not worried we're going to get a Prime Minister now that we haven't voted for? Yeah, that does worry me a little bit, actually, doesn't it? Yeah, it does worry me. I know you voted out. Yes. Um, if there was one thing you could do now, what would it be and why? I would go back to the polling station and vote to say, um, simply because this morning the reality is actually hitting in and the regrets are filling in of actually that we have actually left EU. We haven't actually left the EU yet, to be honest, love. We haven't left yet, but we, we are almost definitely going to Hmm. it would help if you'd like read one or two articles about this before first of all you voted and secondly you had this conversation on the media which you're now this poor girl's now all over the internet with this stuff very disappointed um the whole family this morning even though majority of us voted to leave we are actually regretting it today did you think you might get a chance to vote again? Yeah, actually, I said to my sisters before they flew out, I, hope, you know, I wish we had the opportunity to vote again, um, simply because I would do so many things differently for the vote. You'd do so many things differently for the vote? How many things? Just one, I would imagine, would be enough. Me, my two sisters and my parents. And all of you would now vote differently, having seen what's happened this morning? Yeah. Um, David Cameron leaving while, while resigning. That was the biggest shock. We didn't really expect that to happen. Well, you know, a lot of the commentary had predicted that David Cameron would go if we if we left. So I don't know. It's 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 a pity that that people didn't really engage with this fully before this happened. Now I'm obviously I'm. I'm mocking these people who made the wrong decision and and now, I mean, at least they are sort of, I suppose they're willing to admit that they they made the wrong wrong decision or they're experiencing regret. Um, And obviously it was kind of stupid on their part. Now, is it entirely their fault? Uh, I don't know. 
Also, of course, there will be plenty of people who are delighted that we've left. And, you know, not just people um, who are shouting racist comments in the street and enjoying a sense of sort of vindication. Uh, But, you know, there will be plenty of intelligent people who genuinely believe we've made the right choice, but I haven't really heard from any of those people. Even the the ones who campaigned for us to leave have been fairly muted and uh, have, have basically started to sort of give these fairly compromised versions of what they were promising. I'll come on to that in a moment. But I'm actually angry with the Leave campaign. All of those Brexiteers who campaigned for us to leave, personally, I think they misled people. They made empty promises that they couldn't keep, even when they must have known that they couldn't keep those promises and that leaving the EU would put so many things in jeopardy. In fact, now those who argued for leave are actively distancing themselves from the things that they said and the promises they made during the campaign. It's now blatantly obvious that they never even had a post-Brexit plan. They're now doing U-turns. That's like when you do a 180-degree turn. They're now doing U-turns on um, on many of the biggest promises they made. For example, that £350 million a week that was previously being sent to the European Union as our contribution... They said that £350 million a week will go to the NHS, right? They said, well, if we stop sending that money to Europe, we'll put it into the NHS. They also said that migration levels would be controlled. Now, um, it's as we're going to see in a moment, these things are actually not necessarily going to happen. Um, now, I, you may, it makes you think, how on earth did these people win? Um, now... They, I think they played upon people's insecurities and prejudices, suggesting that all our problems are the result of being part of the Euro- European Union and that leaving the EU would magically make everything all right again. Um, it's just wrong, and we're obviously now facing years of continued turmoil. Um, now, I'm going to come back to those broken promises and U-turns in a bit. Uh, let's just talk a little bit more about the turmoil that the country is facing. So Scotland, all right, what about Scotland? Scotland are likely now to leave the UK. If the UK does go through with the the exit uh, and we do uh, invoke, like, what, Article 50, if we basically leave the European Union, Scotland will almost certainly leave the UK. The SNP, the Scottish National Party, is now pushing hard to get another independence referendum and they've got a very good case to get one. They clearly showed that they don't want to be part of a UK that is separate from the EU. So if they, they would probably get another referendum. And if they do get one, then the result will probably be that they will leave. So um, it looks like Scotland will leave the UK. Now, the Leave campaign argued that we should take back control of our country. They said we should do it for Britain. They put Britain first. But the country is now in turmoil as nobody knows what to do next. Our Prime Minister has resigned, and we don't know who's going to take over. The opposition, Labour, the opposition is completely falling apart because of lack of confidence in the Labour leader, Jeremy Corbyn. Loads of Labour MPs have quit. Loads of them have resigned in protest at his leadership. They basically believe that he's not the man to lead the party through this next period because he failed to defend the Remain vote and doesn't appear to feel strongly about the European Union. Um, so, yeah, so the the opposition, Labour, are falling apart over the, the, the way that Jeremy Corbyn didn't really 
um, defend the Remain argument convincingly enough and continues not to be convincing on this. And if we the arguments uh, for the the, the the people in the Labour Party who who disagree with Corbyn as leader, their argument is that uh, Labour needs uh, a leader who can sort of unite the party and present a, a, a more convincing um, argument um, to kind of protect Labour's interests in the EU negotiations. Um, and Corbyn just doesn't seem to be able to unite his party, even though the grassroots seem to seem to be behind Jeremy Corbyn. Um, the party itself doesn't seem to convince that he's the right man for the job. Um, as we move forward into a sort of a new period of British politics, which is all going to be about negotiating a good deal. Um, I don't know what that's that deal's going to be like. Completely out of Europe, some new deal with the single market. We don't know. So the opposition is is falling apart. The economy is crashing. Uh, the UK lost its AAA credit rating, which is a disaster in any situation. Even when all these other things aren't happening, if that happened on its own, that would be considered to be a major disaster. Uh, the the European the European Union the United Kingdom the Union looks like it's going to break up, and nobody has a plan for what to do next. The UK is now the darling of all the right wing movements in the European Union. And the world and people are now being openly racist in the streets. I don't mean the world is being openly racist. I mean um, uh, that the UK is the darling of sort of right-wing movements in the the EU. And people are now being openly racist in the streets. So congratulations, guys. Well done. All of our worst nightmares have come at once. Um, Now, Brexiteers are saying, don't over-report the negative aspects. At least we're free. At least we got our independence. I mean, Nigel Farage praised it as Britain's Independence Day. But we were already independent, you div. Um, independence Day. What a, what a load of nonsense. We were already independent. I mean, that's cheeky to, to call it Independence Day. That's, that's ridiculous. Um, especially when... Independence Day, like most people's Independence Day, most countries, what Independence Day really means to them is independence from us. Now, there's no there's no over-reporting going on, all right? It's just reporting. How, how much is that over-reporting? The UK has lost its AAA credit rating. That's not over-reporting. That's just reporting. There's no need to put a negative spin on these events. Just say it like it is. It's undeniably bad all round. Now, it could take decades for the country to get back to the stable position that it had been in before this referendum. And the, the idea that at least we're free is, is silly. We're not free. We're now far more compromised. We're in, we've got fewer options now than we had before. We're weaker than before and we're worse off than we were before. The other argument, of course, is, well, when the EU crashes, at least we'll be on the outside. But if the EU crashes, it will be bad for everyone, us included. Now, OK, I know that I'm, I'm being a bit negative. I sound like I'm being negative. And I've just said that we're worse off and we've got fewer options. Now, that's the short term. That's the short term. That's like the, I say short term, it's five to ten years, I think, that it's going to take us five to ten years to get into a better position, I think. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope that I'm wrong. 
I hope that the positive outlook is right. I hope that we suddenly have this dynamic sort of change of heart and suddenly everything seems to move in our favour and we get all these cool, groovy new trade deals on the table. We start to negotiate uh, new types of arrangements with markets all around the world and the UK suddenly starts to have its thumbs in all these different international pies and we're sort of like a wheeler dealer going around the world going, yeah, we'll do a deal with you, we'll do a deal with you. And next thing you know, we're like rolling in cash with all this new money from different markets around the world. Maybe that's what's going to happen. I hope so. Um, but uh, certainly in the short term, we're, no one seems to know how to get to that position. And um, what what needs to be done first is to get some sort of coherent exit strategy from the European Union that doesn't involve tearing huge holes in our economy. Um, now, the Leave campaign presented an ideological and emotional argument which was full, frankly, it was full of misleading propaganda and mistruths. That's not just what I'm saying. That seems to be evident from reports in the mainstream media. All right. Now, let's let's have a look at some of the things that uh, the Leave campaign promised, which they either can't or won't deliver. Uh, now, I'm going to read a comment from uh, a Lepster who commented on episode 359. This is an ep- uh, a Lepster who ironically is called Boris. And uh, he said, uh, well, he, he, he quoted an article from the Indy 100, which is like a, a website run by the independent newspaper. Um, and uh, the article was basically all of the promises of the Leave campaign. Um, Boris said, this is the, the, the Lepster Boris, not, not our potential Prime Minister Boris. The listener Boris said, here are, here we are. No, he said, here are what, <sighs> what did he write, Boris? Here are the promises. Okay. Here are the promises of the Vote Leave campaign. I think uh, it was a big mistake leaving the EU. And uh, so this this is stuff from this uh uh, article on the Indy 100 website, and the article was called Eight of the Most Misleading Promises of the Vote Leave Campaign, ranked in order of preposterousness or ridiculousness. So, number one, promise number one was we are we will see uh, a fall in immigration levels. A vote for leave means a vote for controlling immigration and reducing immigration levels. Now, no one in the leave campaign actually gave any target figures at any time ever. Conservative member of the European Parliament, Dan Hannan, has already said that people expecting immigration to come down will be disappointed. Yep. So um, this is a, a principal part of the Leave campaign, that voting for Leave would mean reducing immigration. And immediately, Dan Hannan, a, a principal proponent of the Leave campaign, has said that if you're expecting immigration to come down, you'll be disappointed. And I'm now going to play you. Um, no, I mean- I'm going to play you some some audio from an interview with Dan Hannan, uh, who, um, as I said, is a um, a hold on. Uh, Dan Hannan was um, uh, one of the Leave campaign uh, proponents. I've just lost my place here. I'm just going to find it again, um, and I'm going to play you some interview footage with him. And uh, 
So, so here is Daniel Hannan of on the BBC programme Newsnight, effectively saying that the UK will probably have to stay in the single market, and that obviously means that immigration is going to stay the same. Remember that this guy was one of the most vocal proponents for the Leave campaign, which used immigration and reducing immigration as one of the principal arguments for leaving. Talk about this, and it sounds like you, Daniel Hannan, I don't know whether you're speaking for Vote Leave or for Boris Johnson or for anybody else, it sounds like you are veering towards something closer to the Norway option as well, a compromise between the 48 and the 52 I mean, in the single market. Yeah? Right. My, my issue with the EU has always been the lack of sovereignty, the lack of democracy. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, of course you there are Norway. economic issues you as well. It Norway. wouldn't be exactly Norway, obviously. We're, we're a very different country. We're 65 right. million rather than 5 million. But the idea of staying within a common market... But outside the political integration, I think that is feasible, yes. And that means free movement of people. It means free movement of labour. It doesn't mean EU citizenship with all but, the acquired this, rights. I'm sorry, we've just been through three mm. months of agony well, on the issue of immigration. On, this is, and this the is public a, have been led to believe this, that what they have voted for is an end to free movement. Here is movement. a very, very important point. From the moment we joined, we had the right to take up a job offer in another member state. You had a legal entitlement if you presented your contract. So now, that changed with Maastricht. When EU citizenship was introduced, people were given legal entitlements to live in other countries, to vote in other countries, and to claim welfare and have the same university tuition and so on. That bit, I think, is going to change. That means say, that we can deport people. Why didn't you people. say this in the campaign? Right, listen, Daniel, that why did you not say in the campaign meeting. that you were wanting a system, mm. a, 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 a scheme, where we had free movement of labour? Come on, and that is every, completely at odds with what the public I, I, think they have Evan, just voted I, I've, for. I have just spent four months addressing rallies virtually every day, and at every one I would say, do not imagine that if we leave the EU, that means zero immigration from the EU. It means we will have some control over who comes in and in what numbers. You've given the but impression. It, you've given the impression. The you words at, take it's, back it's control. All there you have given. You, you can see it all. Your, your, your campaign has given the impression that we will not be able to get immigration down to tens of thousands if we're out inside the EU. I think most people would say that gives the impression we will get it down to tens of thousands if we're outside we, the EU. No, we've always been clear. We want a measure of control. It will be for a future parliament to determine the numbers and to determine, you know, how many students, how many doctors, how many family reunifications, whatever. But I don't think anyone's ever tried to put a number on it. That's obviously going to depend on wow. the state of the economy I, at the time. Dan Hammond, thank you very much. Christy? All right, so there you go. Him, you, you, hear, you heard him there directly saying that um, despite all of the sort of suggestions of the the leave campaign that it was all about controlling immigration which is clearly one of the, the reasons why so many people voted for leave that they wanted to control immigration there there you heard daniel hannan saying well no we never actually promised the um that's not a direct quote i don't think he actually went at any point in that uh, interview but um anyway um it's funny how uh suddenly now we're into the kind of reality of 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 this exit, uh, they're all changing their tune. Um, point two, the promise number two was that we're going to save three hundred and fifty million pounds a week, which we normally give to the EU, the EU um, as our contribution. We'll save that money, and that money can go into the NHS. We can spend the EU contribution on the National Health Service. Now, first of all. The three hundred and fifty million pounds a week uh, sum is is completely debatable. 
whether it genuinely is £350 million a week. That is based on what was spent last year. It also doesn't include the the money that we get back in return as, as EU spending. It also doesn't include the rebate, which was um, negotiated by Margaret Thatcher in the 80s, which is that basically the UK gets some of its money back as well as a sort of compensation. Um, so it's not 350. It was never 350 million pounds a week in the first place, even though Boris Johnson, um, uh, when he was touring around the country in a bus, he, he had this big, um, bus, which was called the battle bus, which he used to tour around on his campaign. The bus r- had written on the side of it, um, that number 350 million pounds, uh, a, a week. Uh, let's put that into the, let's spend it on the EU. So, um, it, this was a, a key message in the Leave campaign. So the Leave the Leave campaign claimed um, that the UK uh, gives three hundred and fifty million pounds a week to the EU. Um, now this this claim um, has been thoroughly debunked. First of all, the figure wasn't true, and secondly, Nigel Farage said just hours after the result, the the the, the referendum result came in, just hours after that, Nigel Farage said that it was a mistake to make that claim, the claim which was absolutely central to their whole campaign. Nigel Farage, literally just a few hours after the result, said, "No, that was a mistake. We could never have said that. We could never have promised that." This is this Boris Johnson travelled around the, in this bus on the side of the bus. It said, "It said these words: We send the EU three hundred and fifty million pounds a week. Let's fund the NHS instead." Written in huge letters across his bus. He also made public appearances. Boris Johnson did. He also made public appearances campaigning for leave in front of a poster which said these words: "Let's give our NHS the three hundred and fifty million pounds the EU takes every week." Now, they have no intention of, of funding the, the, uh, the NHS, um, in my opinion. These far-right Tories have never cared about the National Health Service. In fact, the time that they've been in office, in government, uh, doctors, uh, junior doctors, student doctors have been fighting um, a, a pitched battle against the Conservative Party uh, to protect the National Health Service. So I don't know where the idea that these guys have always been um, great supporters of the National Health Service. And it seems very ironic that they're talking about taking the £350 million that we give to the EU and spending that on the NHS, when one of their principal policies has been about reducing public spending on uh, on services like the NHS doesn't make sense to me. These far-right Tories have never cared about the National Health Service. Why did anyone believe that they would be any different? This is, this is, this is almost like criminal levels of deceit. You know, it, it really is. Um, you, you can't lie in business or in advertising, of course, okay? Especially in advertising, you can't, you can't lie. It's not allowed. It's criminal. It's called false advertising. It's a criminal level of deceit. But there's no law to say that you can't lie in political campaigns. Okay, Um, there's no law against that. Um, And so they're not going to be held accountable for this promise, even though it's a gross deception of the public's trust. Oddly enough, the Leave campaign have now wiped their campaign website, 
which contained all of those statements about the EU contributions going to the NHS. They've been wiped. The website's been... All of that stuff's been removed from the website. I wonder why. Now, why would they remove all of those promises? I wonder. Now, I mean, this all seems very specific to the UK, and it shouldn't really be a surprise, I suppose, that this is the sort of thing that happens every day uh, on a in a large on a large scale. And these, are, I guess, this is one of the reasons why we're so um, disenfranchised with the political establishment today. That this kind of trickery goes on all the time, and we've all had enough of it. In fact, that's one of the reasons why so many people voted Leave. The Leave vote became synonymous with a vote against the political establishment. It's just that people associated remain with the establishment more than they associated leave with the establishment because David Cameron, the Prime Minister, was was uh, campaigning for remain. A lot of the uh, you know high profile experts and people we associate with the status quo supported remain, and as a result, people thought that leave was the sort of alternative um, protest vote. Not the case at all. The people who supported Leave were just another aspect of the same establishment. Now, I'm, I'm now going to let you listen to Nigel Farage just a few hours after the results came in from the, re- from the referendum. This is Nigel Farage on ITV's breakfast television programme. Um, now, Farage was part of the Leave campaign. He was a principal member of the campaign, which made that promise about EU funding going back into the NHS. Let's listen to him now being questioned on this ITV programme. And you'll hear that he admits that it was a mistake to make that promise. And when he's pressed on the issue, he just goes back to saying how the UK now has all this extra money, despite the fact that in just a couple of days, British stocks lost £125 billion after Brexit. That's £125 billion of value lost, which is equivalent to 15 years of EU contributions as a direct result of us leaving the European Union, as a direct result of the Leave um, vote. Okay, £125 billion of value uh, from British stocks lost equivalent to 15 years worth of EU contributions. And uh, Farage has the cheek to argue that um, despite the fact that they have no obligation to uh, put the 350 million a week into the NHS, they still have lots of money to play with. So it's brilliant. No, they don't. They've lost way more than they've gained. Okay. Anyway, now let's listen. Let's listen to Farage then. And I'm going to find him now. I'm just going to load him up on the old uh, on the old YouTube here. Here we go. I thought, uh... All right, hold on. The £350 million a week we send to the EU, which we will no longer send to the EU, can you guarantee that's going to go to the NHS? No, I can't, and I, and I would never have made that claim. That was one of the mistakes I think that the Leave campaign made. What Hang I, on a moment. That was one of your adverts. Well, it wasn't one of my adverts, I can assure well, you. Well, that was one of the Leave campaign's was, adverts. It was, that it was, money was going to go to the NHS. And I think they made a mistake. That's why people, many people have voted. They, they, they made a mistake in doing that. But what I can tell you is we have a nice... You're saying bed. after 17 million people have voted for Leave, yep. based... I don't know how many people voted on the basis of that advert, but that was a huge part of the propaganda... You're now saying that's a mistake. We have a £10 billion a year, a £34 million a day feather bed that is going to be free money that we can spend on the NHS, on schools, or whatever it is. 
but you're not guaranteeing that that money, as promised, will go well, to the must, NHS. You must understand, I was ostracised by the official Leave campaign and did my, and as I've always done, there, did my own thing. Do you think there are other things that people will wake up this morning and find out aren't going to happen as a result of voting this way? Well, I tell you what they will find out, that we're back to being a normal country, uh, in charge of our own laws, and able to start making our own relationships with the rest of the world, maybe even re-engaging with the Commonwealth. Maybe even re-engaging with the Commonwealth. Maybe even re-engaging with the Commonwealth. Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, So Farage's claims about how we now have a feather bed, as he calls it, of extra money. A feather bed. Doesn't that sound nice? A feather bed. (sighs) Again, more, more rhetoric, isn't it? It's just not true, Okay, We don't have a feather bed. What we've got is a huge loss. Um, and and this featherbed stuff is just more rhetoric. So the arrogance, the stubbornness, the lack of responsibility, lack of responsibility, the the lack of accountability of this man is astounding. What's interesting that there is that you heard he said that he was ostracised by the Leave campaign. So the actual uh, the the proper Leave campaign just didn't want to deal with him. He even fell out with them. The Leave campaign were all divided. It seems that they they weren't really a a, a a coherent group in the first place. Now, uh, Nigel Farage's party, UKIP, the United Kingdom Independence Party, had one aim, and that aim was independence from Europe. Okay, that was it. That's the name of the party, the United Kingdom Independence Party, independence from Europe. Now, they've achieved it, right? They've got independence from Europe. So, that's it. They can just go away now, right? Job done. Job done, Nigel. You achieved what you wanted. The United Kingdom is now independent. So go go away now, okay? Go home and don't come back, Nigel. Nigel, what, you, what are you still doing here, Nigel? You got what you wanted. Your party is no longer necessary. Now go away. Okay, that's the end of part one of this uh, double episode. I hope that you're enjoying this uh, passionate rant that I'm involved in. It actually feels pretty good to get all this stuff off my chest, I'll be honest. Um, Now, in part two of this episode, I'm going to talk to you about uh, the rest of the promises made by the Leave campaign. We'll investigate those things. And then I will uh, talk to you about the reasons why people voted for Leave. And I'll also tackle the tricky subject of immigration. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to go there. I'm going to talk about immigration. It might not be wise, it might not be clever, but I've decided to try and do it. So I'm going to try and talk about uh, immigration in the next episode. Uh, And then there will be some more commentary and some more jokes about the shameful England football team. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. And uh, I've said it before already, but I'll say it again. I know I'm talking a lot about politics lately. This is not going to last forever, all right? This is not always the way it's going to be on Luke's English Podcast. I will be talking about other subjects too. How are you? How are you doing? How is everything in your world? Mine's obviously completely dominated by all of this uh, politics at the moment. Um, I don't know what it's like for you. Maybe you're just walking around and the birds are singing and the... Uh, the wind's blowing and it's just normal life, I suppose, is it? Maybe there's all sorts of crazy stuff going on in your part of the world as well at this point. And I'm here all wrapped up in Brexit and football and you're kind of going, oh, but I've I dropped my ice cream. No! Oh, my ice cream, I dropped my ice cream. That's like the biggest drama in your life at the moment. 
Um, don't drop your ice cream. That's always a bad move. If you're if you're either eating an ice cream at this moment or you're thinking of buying an ice cream uh, in the next few minutes um, and then you actually do it, then take my advice. Be careful with that ice cream, okay? Treat it carefully. Cherish it. You know, it's like democracy, isn't it, ice cream? It's like democracy. Um, it's something that um, everyone should have the right to have. Um, it's something that sometimes we take for granted. Uh, right? Do you? You might do. You might take ice cream for granted. Uh, it's something that um, it may be possible to have a bit too much of. You know, if you have a bit too much ice cream, it can if you have a bit too much democracy. It can make you slightly inflated. What am I talking about? Is there any is there any comparison to be drawn between ice cream and democracy? There may be. It's a luxury for some people. Some people consider uh, democracy to be a luxury. Um, there are some people in the world who would love to have both democracy and ice cream and that they're never going to get it. Uh, what can we do for those people? Should we be um, sending fighter jets over to fire ice cream down on those people? Is that possible? Can you can you send uh, sort of missiles loaded up with ice cream? fire ice cream directly down into people's uh, homes. I mean, we've got the technology, to be fair. We do have the the, the, the modern technology to be able to fire uh, like uh, bombs straight down um, a, a chimney, or you can send a bomb straight through a window. Drones. We could use drones to deliver ice cream to people who don't have it in different parts of the world. Why not, ladies and gentlemen? Why not? Why can't we do this? Why can't we uh, spend less on uh, weapons of mass destruction and spend more on ways of delivering ice cream to people who don't have it. Uh, I think that might be a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. You know what I'm doing here is I'm literally just talking to you. I'm trying to stretch out this end of this episode so that the music will stop at the same time that I stop talking. What you're listening to is some music that I made on a little synthesizer that I got for my birthday. It's a, I got this Korg handheld synthesizer machine thing um, and it's it's just got like a very simple interface and it's got about 150 different sounds and loops on it and you can use it to make little groovy tunes and I did this one while I was on the train the other day yeah and it, uh, the, the track's got about 30 seconds left on it and I'm going to keep talking until the end of the track happens let's see if I can make this uh, end perfectly with the end of the music and then you'll hear the jingle thanks again for listening to this episode of Luke's English Podcast please do listen to the next part alright because you know I really want you to hear it because I spent lots of time preparing it and I put a lot of time and effort and energy and passion into listening to it so thanks for listening to this one please do listen to the next one uh, that's it then speak to you then bye 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 English. 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 Yes. English. 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 English, dude. English. 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 Plain English, creep. Speak English. 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 I'm speaking in English. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar, and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humor and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.